From the cynical action movie Cash Grabs, brought to us by J.J. Abrams at Company, or just the sheer cynicism that fills Star Trek Discovery. You know, Star Trek has changed a lot over the years. When it was originally meant to be not necessarily a happy show, but an optimistic view of who we could be in the future. Cynicism is kind of the bane of our society, and it's crept into our Star Trek in a way that makes Star Trek almost unrecognizable. And I'd like to talk about that on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my latest book. But today we're talking about Star Trek. And uh, I have never wanted an episode of this podcast to be made redundant faster than this one. Because I'm wanting to do this, and I'm doing this, just before the pre- the premiere, the dawning, the coming of Star Trek Picard. The all-fabled Holy One, the return of the King, the one that is going to come and save us all until we get the Pike series that we actually want. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, Star Trek. Picard is coming, and I'm hoping that when we actually get to see it, we'll see that the heart and soul of Star Trek is still beating somewhere in there, and that Patrick Stewart has brought it back. But I don't have high hopes, and some of the things leading up to this have really... (laughs) All right. But before we get into it, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community. The bigger the community, the better the chance we have of actually communicating with each other. And after all, that's why I do this in the first place. Thank you to everyone who has already done that. Alrighty. So, yeah, Star Trek has taken a weird turn lately, and I will say that there will be some spoilers for a couple short treks. One that I'll name by name, and the other one I really don't care what its name is. I really don't. Because there weren't... The the short treks leading up to Star Trek this year were not good. In so many ways. That's why I didn't do an episode on them, because I don't like talking about stuff that I don't like. Because life's short, and if I'm going to take time to talk about something, I want it to be something good. And Star Trek, for the vast majority of my life, even when it was bad, it was still okay. Be that the original series, The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, my beloved Deep Space Nine, that tackled some of the hardest subjects that you could tackle in a Star Trek series and yet somehow managed to stay Star Trek and optimistic through the whole thing. Yeah. (sighs) And then we get to Voyager that it's not my favorite, but it's good that you get to Discovery, and it got good. It eventually got there, and then it got canceled, but it, it got there. And then we have the new stuff. And I think we're really dealing with two kinds of horrible cynicism. 
that have been corrupting and distorting and destroying Star Trek throughout the years. And one is the corporate cynicism of, we need money. How can we get money? Well, we have this intellectual property that people seem to like. And well, people are stupid and will buy anything that has that name on it. We don't really want to care to find out exactly what the audience wants or why they actually like the thing that they're liking. And so you can see this really setting in with Star Trek Nemesis. The Star Trek movie that I always forget happened because it's so not memorable. It's the movie that almost destroyed Tom Hardy because he plays Shinzon in that movie when he was very young. And if you ever read an interview where he talks about his experiences on Star Trek, they're not as bad as Jerry Ryan's, but I mean, it, it, yeah, it was destructive. It was a bad thing because it's not a good movie. They completely forgot why people go to Star Trek movies, why people like Star Trek in the first place and made a generic action movie that introduced an entire species for no reason. And I'm not saying the Star Trek movies can't include new species. They absolutely can and possibly maybe even should. But creating the Remans and all of a sudden, oh, there's not just one Romulan people. There's two Romulan people and the other are on the moon. And there's been this thing there the whole time that nobody ever knew about. Even when we did stories that took place on Romulus, we didn't know about them because reasons. Oh, and let's throw in an evil twin of Picard, who's a clone, of course, because why not? And, oh, let's give him a dune buggy, because nothing says Star Trek like riding around on a dune buggy or a motorcycle. Uh. And as far as movies go, from Nemesis through Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness, and Star Trek Beyond, they're cynical cash grabs. They're just... We have an intellectual property that maybe we can make some money off of because people like it and we'll come to the theater to see what we're making, regardless of whether or not it's good, whether or not it's quality, or whether or not it's something that we should actually be making right now. Granted, Star Trek Beyond, I think, is the best of the Kelvin Universe movies, but they were so bad they had to be very clear with the fans. Oh, no, no, this is a parallel dimension. This is a parallel universe. This doesn't affect the Star Trek that you love because, you know, reasons. And this is the problem that we have when Discovery comes about. Discovery has a completely different, well, the same cynical cash grab problem of, hmm, we're CBS and we're not making a crazy amount of money. We want to make a crazy amount of money. What intellectual properties do we have? Well, let's reboot Hawaii Five-0 and all this other crap. Oh, and while we're at it, let's do a Star Trek. Okay. And let's get one of the people that did one of the Kelvin, a couple of the Kelvin movies with, and let them do a Star Trek because they've obviously demonstrated that they don't understand what Star Trek is and they'll be perfect for this project. And that corporate cynicism, which has been at the heart of Star Trek for a very long time, And you can see it here, there, and yonder throughout the process from the, let's completely redesign the trill because 
I want to sexually harass the actress who's playing her, and that's going to be harder for me to do if she has to wear a forehead apparatus? Yeah. Yeah, Rick Berman. <laughs> if you don't know those stories, they're, they're, they're terrible. But yeah, so... And then, of course, Star Trek Enterprise was going to be sexy Star Trek. So, you know, our tra we don't have transporters, so we have to make sure everybody's decontaminating. So let's get them in a room, scantily clad in their underwear, rubbing things on themselves. Mm. Doesn't that just scream Star Trek? No, it doesn't. But you did some other things. And like I said, one of my favorite characters in all Star Trek, Phlox, comes from Enterprise. So at least some good things came from it. And then we get to Discovery. Yes, it's a cynical cash grab because we're trying to get people onto our streaming service and nobody cares about our streaming service, so people like Star Trek, right? So let's make new Star Trek, but make it exclusive to our streaming service, so people like Charlie will have to pay for it, because there are people like Charlie who absolutely love Star Trek and will pay for it just to see it. And so, yeah, I am paid for it, and I watched it season one and season two, and here I am paying for it again so I can see Picard. But the worst part that came in with Discovery was this in-world cynicism that you can see in the movies, but I'm not going to go through the Kelvin movies because they're trash and they're just complete trash. There's very little good that I can say about the Kelvin movies. But Discovery at least has some interesting points to it. It has some interesting characters. Some, some of the new species are interesting. So there's at least a, a heart there, a core there, a, something that could be good. But because we're bringing in people who don't really understand the optimism at the heart of Star Trek, we're going to do stories that just don't make sense. We're going to do stories that, well, show the dark side of everything. And I'm not saying that you can't do that. There have been episodes of both The Next Generation and um, Deep Space Nine that showed the dark side of the Federation from these Section 31 episodes in Deep Space Nine to the alien parasite conspiracies trying to take over the Federation and whatnot. But yeah, okay, let's forget what Star Trek is. And when I say that they've forgotten what Star Trek is, this is where I'm going to have to start talking about the short treks because... Oh, oh my. The short treks leading up to Star Trek Picard do not give me a lot of hope that we're going to get a return to the Star Trek we know and love. Okay, so let's talk about some of the short treks. And if you haven't seen them, don't worry, you didn't miss anything. There are some good ones from last year, but mm, this year, not, not really. And so the first one is Q&A. Q&A is basically the first time number one meets Spock. Okay, I'm down for this. I, I, I'm, I'm excited for this. This is kind of your hints that we may be getting a Pike show, because you're going to hint at that until the hints don't pay off anymore, and then you're either going to announce it or not, depending on how you think that will work. And this is a perfect 
episode of how they don't understand Star Trek. One, because we don't have Uhura and because we're not doing the Kelvin universe, we have to give Spock some kind of sexual tension with somebody, so of course we do it with number one. Okay, well that's fine. But then you have them discussing things like the immorality of the of Star Trek's Prime Directive, because this, of course, is a hot topic that people like to talk about on the internet, because, you know, the Federation has all this power, and why don't they use it to help other people? Because interventionist war by a superpower is not a good look. Interventionist war on the part of a superpower into the internal affairs of another species or another state is not wise. It's not a smart thing to happen. We have a lot of historical precedent for this, and that's why we have the Prime Directive. So yes, it would be nice if the Federation took a more active role in, you know, ending slavery or any of the other bad practices of their neighbors. But really, if they start invading or conquering or attacking or supporting rebel groups, they're no longer the Federation. They're a stand-in for the United States or for NATO or for the United Nations. And they're just an evil empire out to exert its will on everyone else. They become what Klingon and Romulan propaganda says that they are. And this is why the Prime Directive is important. And why... Like, the entire plot of the Section 31 storyline in Deep Space Nine is about why the Prime Directive is important and how circumventing the Prime Directive has ramifications that are hard to grapple with. But we're cool, we're hip, we see what the kids are talking about on the YouTubes and the podcasts and the whatnots, right? Right? And, you know, it's cool because we put those words into Spock's mouth who would understand the basic necessity for something and the logical necessity for something like the Prime Directive. That logically, it is hazardous for a large interstellar alliance to intervene in the affairs of others because of the unforeseen consequences of doing so. You, you, anyway... So, yeah, pure cynicism creeping in because, you know, the internet says that it's bad, so it must be bad, so we're going to just agree with the internet because, see, we hear you fans because that's, you know, since season two of Discovery has kind of been their thing. Then there's the trouble with Edward, which I'm really not going to talk about because it's just, hey, here, let's look and see how this one idiot ended up creating the Tribbles that we will see later, because of course he did. Yay. And of course he's played by the dude who plays Bob on Bob's Burgers, and it's funny. And it is funny, but please, don't be canon. Don't be canon. Ask Not, probably the only good short track, and I'll probably do a thing on it later, because it's, like I said, one of the good ones this year. It's about, you know, I'm not even going to talk about it. Ephraim and Dot is cute. Okay, it's cute. It's animated. You can see them setting up the animated kids universe that they're going to be doing. The same with the girl who made the stars. You can see them setting up that animated 
kids show thing that they're going to be doing and they're testing out some ideas. Okay, that's fine. But the one I really want to talk about is Children of Mars. Because this show, this episode, or whatever we're going to call it, this 8 minutes and 20 seconds of Star Trek short treks, is a direct prequel to the events of Star Trek Picard. And why do I say that? Because we actually get to see the attack that takes place in the trailers. You know, when all those alien ships are attacking that red planet and blowing stuff up? That's Mars. Because the story takes place on Mars. And it's included in this episode. And what is this episode about? Bullying. Because that's topical, right? Everybody's talking about bullying, how bullying is a bad thing. So we're going to tackle bullying in the Star Trek universe. And well, I'm not saying that that shouldn't be a topic. In fact, this is one of the topics in the episode Shore Leave, where we find out that Kirk was bullied when he entered Starfleet Academy for a really long time because he was too bookish and nerdy and had to deal with Finnegan. Yeah. Go back and watch the original series. The, the Kirk that you think we got was not the Kirk that goes into common memory. He's a very different character. But yeah, so bullying is something that's been talked about before, and it's it's a valid topic. It's an interesting topic. I like Star Trek being topical. So what is the lesson? What is the moral lesson that we get from this? That there isn't one. There really isn't. Two girls kind of don't like each other. New in school. Rah, rah. Oh, they do terrible things to each other. Terrible things to each other. They get sent to the principal's office. Bad, bad girls. Oh, and then aliens attack. Oh, no. The end. Yeah, why are you doing an episode on bullying that has absolutely nothing to do with bullying? The whole point of the Children of Mars is one to tell us that this event takes place on Mars, and then to make some references to Picard, because there's some references to Picard in the background, and... No, we don't learn anything. This isn't one of those moments where we could answer some of the basic ideas of Edic, which is so core to the Star Trek franchise. Infinite diversity and infinite combination. No, we're going to try to get some kind of favor because, see, we're Star Trek and we tackled the hard issues like bullying by showing you that it exists still in the future. And nobody knows what to do about it then either. Yeah. Because we're Star Trek and we don't have answers. We don't have solutions. Solutions isn't our job. And it's that kind of cynicism that has leaked into the heart of Star Trek. The new Star Trek. That needs to be fixed. Star Trek is not about a perfect future. You can see this in the original series all the way through to let's say Enterprise, the future's not perfect. There are still problems. There are things that need to be worked out. There are things that need to be fixed. But because some of the basic needs of society have been taken care of, we can now work on perfecting ourselves as people. And that's what the stories were about. And that's what made Star Trek Star Trek. And I'm hoping 
that this rank cynicism that has pervaded all of the new Star Trek is going to be weeded out as we move forward. Discovery is now going to be taking place in the far future because it is. And Star Trek Picard is bringing back all your favorites again. Love us. I don't know. I'm hoping. I wanted to get this out of my system because I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that later this week when I get to watch the first episode of Star Trek Picard, it'll awaken that thing inside of me and I'll be like, oh, look. It's Star Trek finally going back to its roots, going back to what it is, what made Star Trek great in the first place. I doubt that, but I can hope. Star Trek used to be about something. It used to be about inclusion and diversity. Star Trek was about seeing pass forward. How do you become better than who you've been? That is the legacy of of Gene Roddenberry. That is the legacy that he gave us in the original series, through the movies, through the next generation. You know, in the next generation, the characters weren't even allowed to argue with each other because he wanted to show that we had progressed as a species. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's a rule that needs to come back, but I'm just using that to point out that this is where Star Trek came from and it can go back. Please. Let's get rid of the cynicism. This is not the place for that. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate it in whatever app you're listening to me on. It does help out a lot. And thank you to everyone who's already done that. Alrighty. If you've got a buck that you can spare to help out, I would like to say that I have recently revamped my Patreon. So... The difference between the show notes, you'll find links for both my Patreon and the listener support. The difference between the two is people on Patreon get stuff and listener support is just thank you. <laughs> so let me know what you think about the new tiers. I, I'm doing my best to try to figure out what I can bring to y'all. And I don't know. I think this will work. <laughs> Everything is so confusing nowadays. Thank you to everybody who's already done that. As little as a dollar a month really does help out a lot. I just had to buy, well, I had to pay for the software that I'm using to make the show and, you know, bills come up and I like being able to pay them. If you don't have any money right now or don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But if you have any friends that you think would like what I do, please share with them. That helps out immensely as well. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean, so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. I am C.E. Dorset on both. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. All right, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. There's a war inside my head. I've got so much that I want to do. I want to write, and I need to edit. And Oh, creativity's crazy. Fiction Friday is going to be a fun episode this week. But until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.